Why don't you take your Bibles and um, go to a familiar passage. I preached on this not too long back, all right? Exodus chapter 8, and that's the unique thing about the Bible. You can go back to the same passage and, uh, and get multiple different messages. But uh, Exodus chapter 8, and we're going to look at verse number 5 through verse number 14. We are moving on to a new giant, and um, the, the one that everybody wishes I would just hold off on a little longer the giant of procrastination, and uh, this is a very, uh, a very sticky subject because every single one of us, to some degree, um, have have issues with putting things off, and um, nobody really wants to hear they have an issue with putting things off. They'd rather people just put off that conversation, and uh, so. But we're going to deal with them. We're going to take him on tonight, start, at least starting tonight, and uh, there's a good bit of information that I want to cover over, over some time, but um, uh, there's some very real things to understand about this, and there's some very strong spiritual aspects concerning procrastination and the danger of uh, this giant. And so, we are, uh, we are looking at Exodus chapter 8, verse number 5 through verse number 14, one of the most famous Bible passages, if you're going to deal with delay, uh, I preached the message, if y'all remember, that, uh, when Pharaoh felt froggy. And, um, and so this is the, uh, that time frame when Pharaoh had a chance to, uh, to ask God to remove the frogs. And he said, just one more day is okay with me. Let's just delay it a little bit longer. Well, we're going to look at this, starting in verse number 5 of Exodus 8. Let's read these verses down to verse number 14. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, Say unto Aaron, Stretch forth thine hand with thy rod over the streams, over the rivers, and over the ponds, and cause frogs to come up upon the land of Egypt. And Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. Now here's where things really get dumb. There's already frogs covering the land. But, you know, the world has to prove they can do things too. And uh, verse number 7 says, And the magicians did so with their enchantments and brought up frogs upon the land of Egypt. Well, that's really smart. Prove you can do it too and double up the problem. That's really good. Verse number 8, Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go that they may do sacrifice unto the Lord. And Moses said unto Pharaoh, Glory over me. And we said that before. He just say, he's given Pharaoh um, his ability to, to, to look at Moses and say, I'm the one in charge. I'll tell you when. And so Moses said, you know, go, go ahead and gloat over the fact that you're in charge. You glory over me. And uh, it says, when shall I entreat for thee and for thy servants and for thy people to destroy the frogs from thee and thy house that they may remain in the river only? And he said, tomorrow. Evidently, he didn't have enough yet. So he delayed. He said, hey, I'll procrastinate. Let's not do it now. Let's do it tomorrow. How many times do we look and say, I'll do it tomorrow? I mean, why do, why, to, why do today what I can put off until tomorrow? That is the motto of a procrastinator. It uh, goes on and says, And he said, Be it according to thy word, 
that thou hast uh, now, uh, that, that thou mayest know, sorry, that there is none like unto the Lord our God. And the frogs shall depart from thee, and from thy house, and from thy servants, and from thy people. They shall remain in the river only. And Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried unto the Lord because of the frogs which he had brought against Pharaoh. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses. And the frogs died out of the houses, out of the villages, and out of the fields. Now, now here's, here's the most um, disgusting part of the story. It's bad enough living with them and then being in everything. Imagine now they've all died where they were. They didn't leave, go in the river and die. They died right where they were all over the land. And verse uh, number 14, And they gathered them together, Upon heaps and the land stank. Um, I wonder how many more frogs from the, t- the moment he had a chance to ask for the frogs to go away until tomorrow. I wonder how many more frogs infested the land. I wonder how much more of a stink the procrastination created. You understand that when we procrastinate, when we put off what needs to be done and we fail to, to just go ahead and take care of what needs to be taken care of, um, rarely, if at all, does it benefit us, but very often it really creates a bigger problem and, uh, and it causes our life to really kind of stink for a while. My situation wouldn't be so bad if I would have dealt with it early. This job wouldn't be taking so long if I would have gone ahead and dealt with it and finished it in the first place. Um, that's the one thing I've not, I'm not saying in any way, shape, or form that I'm not a procrastinator. I know that I am. I know that it is a fight 100%. That is why when I start a project, it appears as though I am obsessed with that project. The reason I am obsessed with that project is because if I ever stop and take a break... It'll, it'll take an arm and a leg being twisted for me to get back in that, in the desire and want to finish it. It gets hard. I still got trim up in the balcony I got to get done. I finally got the stuff. Couldn't do it for a while. I didn't have it. But now I got to paint the trim. Then I got to cut the trim. Then I got to put the trim up. Then I got to caulk it. Oh, I hate the caulking. Ugh. Then you got to caulk it. Then you got to go retouch up the paint. And can I tell you, it just gets to the point where the little nitpicky things get hard to go back to if you didn't just wipe it out. And it wasn't, again, I'm, I'm not pointing out a whole bunch of flaw. I'm just saying the, the whole thing actually came to a halt because it had to. I didn't have a choice, but I knew what would happen. It would get harder and harder as time went on to get back to it because everything else starts pulling for you. But a lot of times we do that in life. We just, we either delay the start altogether and we wonder why it takes us so long to get something going. Or we get into it and then we delay the finish of it and we get fed up with waiting. And, we're like, you know, <laughs> you wives know what that's like, right? When are you going to finish? I'm going to get to it. Oh, that is, that is the Paul Kettle syndrome. How many of y'all ever watched Paul, Ma and Paul Kettle? All right. Paul Kettle, I'm going to get to that one of these days. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I got to do that one of these. I mean, it's, that, that was, I mean, his entire thing. I mean, everything around the house was going to get fixed one of these days. And matter of fact, I love the fact that he all, whenever he started a project, it was great. 
it was great. He, he, had all, he had the tools, all that kind of stuff, and he'd go over there, and he'd, uh, you know how he did, he'd kind of moseyed over there, and he'd like set that, was it gear duck and crowbar? These things are coming back to me. Put the stuff down, and he'd be over there, grab his pipe, all right, boys, we need to get busy, and he'd sit down, and they'd start to work, and, and then halfway through, the whole thing would stop, and Ma would get me, and go, what's going on? I'm going to get to that one of these days. I mean, I just, everything he did was a, a very slow process of putting it off even longer. But uh, procrastination is, uh, by definition, it is to defer action to delay. We know that. It's also, you know, by definition, and a second way of putting it is to put off till another day or time. Now, here's where we kind of get to some serious aspects of the idea of procrastination. Delay is the devil's chief tool. Delay is the devil's chief tool. He doesn't say there is no heaven. Now, there are people that try to say that. There is no heaven, there is no hell, but that's not Satan's true tactic. He doesn't say there is no heaven because people might might fight against that. He doesn't say there is no hell because people might fight against that. He simply says there is no hurry. Okay, so there's a heaven. Okay, so there's a hell. You've got plenty of time to figure it out. Don't get in a hurry. See, ultimately, Satan is the master at conceding a little here, conceding a little there, as long as he can delay the final result until it's too late. Um, I'm going to leave that thought alone. I had a thought go through my head. It looks... It, just watch, just watch what's going on today. You'll find it's actually um, where the tactics come from. But conceding, he gives in. He gives in a little here. He gives in a little there. He does what he does because his whole point is, if I can stall it long enough, I can make it ineffective. If he can keep people from finally saying, okay, well, there's a heaven and there's a hell, but I got plenty of time. I'm going to sow my wild oats first, and then I'll, get, then I'll, I'll really get serious about whether or not I want to accept Christ. And he holds them in that mindset, and he helps them stay blind to the fact that you're not guaranteed tomorrow. And then, all of a sudden, the day comes, and they thought they had plenty of time. All time is now gone, and they refuse to receive Christ as their Savior because they had plenty of time to do it later. There's no hurry. And you see, though, though he didn't mind them understanding a heaven and a hell exist, he just wanted them to have a don't-get-in-a-hurry-about-it procrastination mentality because in the end, he ultimately wins. doesn't matter what they believe exists as long as they don't act on it, he'll still win. And so the devil's chief tool is procrastination and delay. There's an old Spanish proverb that goes like this. The road of by and by leads to the house of never. Well, by and by, one day by and by we'll get there. Yeah, the road of by and by, the road of one day, I'm going to get to that one of these days. That road leads to the house of never. Dr. Bill Rice, uh, the, the starter of the Bill Rice Ranch and many different things, um, he made this statement, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Also an unknown author, not sure who, who this came from, but a statement that was made. And it's, uh, it's kind of a, it took me a second to really grasp it. 
but he said, procrastination is suicide on the installment plan. It took me a little while. I'm like, suicide on the installment plan. Oh, you put it off, you put it off, you put it off, you put it off, and eventually you get nowhere, you do nothing. It's like dying just slowly. You always think you're going to be okay, but eventually you find out, how did I get here? How did my life get destroyed? You never acted. You put off, you put off, you put off. It's suicide on the installment plan. Now, even Joshua, and I'm getting through some of this because I'm not going to finish it all for sure, but I'm trying to get this introduction done. But uh, even Joshua had to challenge Israel concerning their delay in taking the land that God had promised them. Joshua 18.3, he said, and as it says this, And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, How long are ye slack to go to possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers hath given you? <laughs> How much longer are you going to wait? You keep putting it off. It's been promised to you, but it's time to go get it. He had to push them and challenge them before they finally decided, let's go and not wait any longer. And too often, uh, we know, and here's the key, we know what needs to be done, but struggle to take the beginning steps. Uh, anybody in here like reading books? Anybody like reading books? Great. I hate it. Now, here's the thing. You get me started on one, and I won't put it down. And I'll read and read and read and read. I research tons of stuff, but I like being able to jump all over the place and researching. But you put me down with a book. I've got a whole bunch of books. I've got about five of them, five different books I'm reading through right now. Because when I need a break, I go to a different one. But I've got five, I've got bookmarks and all these different ones. But here's the thing. I'm not a book reader. Do you know what the hardest part of reading a book is for me? Getting started. Get me started, and I'll finish it, and I'll love every bit of it. But it's getting me past the, I just opened the cover. The cover's pretty. Let's put it right there and let it sit there for a minute. But, I mean, that's, that's just, it's a, the hardest part is, is having good books, but getting myself to take the first step. And once I'm in, I'm in. And that's what happens to us in a, in a lot of things. It's that, first step of getting out of the weight and the procrastination and the delay and just getting started, which oftentimes puts us right on into, and we, we do a lot better with things after we get past the initial start, and we're pretty good once we get into it. It's getting into it to begin with. Now, we may have every intention of doing what needs to be done in life and doing what we know we need to do each day but too often we fail to have the character to start right away. Have you thought about that? I'm, I'm going I'm to get ahead of myself a little bit, so I'm going to leave, leave a, a, a thought alone right now. But one of the biggest struggles we have is not knowing what to do. It's knowing what to do, but not getting started immediately. Uh, that's, that's probably one of the, the, the hardest things for a child of God who's wanting to grow in, in the Lord and wanting to, to take the next step of faith is they learn what the next step should be, but then they have to, they have to make themselves start the next step. 
I know I need, I need to be, you know, I'm not reading my Bible like I should. I, I know that. I, that's, I know that's my next thing. I really got to get going, and I'm going to get to it. That's what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to it. First thing tomorrow, we wake up in the morning. I got to hurry and get to work. First thing tomorrow, I'm going to hit it. Wake up the next morning. So-and-so called me, took up my time. First thing tomorrow, I'm going to get to it. We know what we need to do. We just don't jump in immediately. And so it, the delay causes us to ultimately, rarely ever really get to what we should do. Or once we finally get to it, we've wasted so much time, we've lost ground that we should have already gained. And so that's procrastination for you. That's what happens. We know what to do, but we struggle having the character to start right away, especially in spiritual areas. In the Bible, and I'm moving quickly, I want to end here in just one second, but in the Bible we see a struggle that happened with a man by the name of Felix in Acts 24 and verse 22 through 25. He struggled with a similar problem, and unfortunately for him, uh, you know, his struggle was not in how to be right with God as far as a Christian goes, but his struggle was in knowing he is wrong with the Lord and he needs to get right as a lost person and surrender his life. He hears truth. He knows it's truth. I'll just read it for you real quick. In Acts 24, starting verse, verse 22, it says, uh, And when Felix heard these things, of course, it, Paul's the one teaching, and Paul's the one giving answer to things. Felix is overseeing kind of a, uh, not really a trial, but um, he, he, it's, a, it's a finding out what, what Paul's up to. And when Felix heard these things, now here's the thing, having more perfect knowledge of that way. The term that way was a term given to the following of Christ, the way of Christ, he had a more perfect knowledge of that way. Felix, more than anybody else around, understood the Christian perspective from the Christian mindset and the understanding of what it was to believe in Christ. He had a more perfect knowledge and understanding of it all than those around him. And it says that, uh, that he deferred them and said, when Lysias, the chief captain, shall come down, I will know the uttermost of your matter. And he commanded a centurion to keep Paul and to let him have liberty and that he should for, uh, forbid none of his acquaintance, acquaintance to minister or come unto him. So he's showing in favor, but he's delaying the time. I, I know a lot of this kind of stuff. We're going to wait till this other guy comes and then we're going to hear more from you on, uh, on your defense to a degree against the, the accusations. Verse number 24 in Acts, in Acts 24 says, In certain days when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, uh, which was a Jewish, Jew, Jewish um, she, uh, sorry, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Now, he, understand, he's knowledgeable in this faith. He may not believe it. He hasn't given his heart to, to Christ, but he's knowledgeable of the faith in Christ. And verse number 25 says, And as he reasoned of righteousness, talking about Paul, and as Paul began to speak of righteousness and temperance and judgment to come, Felix trembled. He got under, basically, he got under great conviction and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. Felix had an opportunity to respond to truth. And instead, 
Felix said, whoa, 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 stop, stop, stop. We're going to put this off until later. And when it's more convenient and I'm calmed down and I can try to put my shield of protection against all that you're saying up so I don't have to be under this kind of conviction, I'll call you back. When it's convenient for me, we'll reconvene this whole little meeting and I'll let you speak more on the matter. The problem is Felix never came to a point again where he was under that kind of conviction and where he had an opportunity to respond to the truth that he knew. He procrastinated, and he paid for it. Now, I'm not going to go any further. Uh, Point number one is going to have to wait until uh, next Wednesday, all right? But that is our introduction to start with. Procrastination, the road of by and by leads to the house of never. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Why I intended to accept Christ. I intended to have time on my deathbed. I intended this and I intended that. Never happened. Procrastination is suicide on the installment plan. Taken, for a Christian, it's taking your Christian life and letting it die one piece at a time while you're promising yourself, I'm going to build my faith one day. I'm going to learn how to walk with Christ one day. I'm going to get to that faithfulness thing one day. And the whole time of looking at the one day I will, that one day actually never comes and we end up standing before the Lord with our head hung low because we never really did anything. We kept putting it off, expecting I'm going to have one day I'm going to get to it. We must be very careful with procrastination It is a dangerous giant for the child of God especially. Dangerous dangerous for the lost person because they can go their entire life thinking they got time. I'm going to take care of it one of these days and it's too late before they know it. Danger for the child of God because we have the the only opportunity we have to serve God is right now. The only chance we have to do anything for God is while we're breathing right now. And since we're not guaranteed, we'll look at it later, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. We can't presume that we've got time to do more. And so procrastination, got to be a giant we fight against on a daily basis.